I'll read the text, and then we'll go to the Lord in prayer. Ephesians 1, chapter, or, uh, Ephesians chapter 1, verse 3. The Apostle Paul writes, Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us in Christ with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places. Let us pray to our God. God in heaven, I I thank you, Lord, for um, these next few minutes that I have uh, to do the work of proclaiming your gospel message. Um, And I'm thankful for the people that are gathered before me, Lord, who uh, as a church, has turned away from their sins and have bowed the knee to King Jesus. And Lord, with that, God means all sorts of blessings that flow forth from his kingdom. He is a savior of his people. He saves us from our sins. He saves us from the corruption of the desires of the flesh. And he brings us into conformity and to unity unto the family of you, O God. Lord, this is not a light thing, but rather this is something for us to remember each day of our lives, each breath that we take, and certainly each Lord's Day as we gather together as a church to proclaim the excellencies of him who has called us. Lord, let us not waste our time with anything else, but let us rather marvel at the blessings that Jesus in his kindness has shown forth to us. Oh Lord, I'm sure there's people before me who have hearts right now that are hardened. They, have, they are your saints, but they have forgotten it. Lord, I know my own condition and how often I wake up, especially on the Lord's Day, not ready to worship you at all. Oh God in heaven, that you would prove yourself as you've said you are to be a loving shepherd of our souls. That even those who are before me with hardened hearts, oh God, would you break forth that heart and cause them, Lord, to be afresh looking at your word. And may we together, Lord, say the yes and the amen to all that Jesus has done for us and live a life in keeping with the calling that you have so graciously given us. So be glorified now. May your word be preached and may ears be opened as is the promise of your gospel of the new covenant of grace so that you can be glorified in our knowing and our doing. It's in Jesus' name that we pray, his glorious name that we pray, amen. Well, I just started in LaRue, um, preaching each Lord's Day. I, I was trying to figure out what I would preach here or at LaRue, uh, as Tim is, has a, the opportunity and the blessing to come and minister to you guys for the next several months. And um, by several, I mean that in a very loose way. And, um, and what I decided to do was to just do a study through Ephesians. Um, and so I've been a few weeks into that now. And so what I thought I would do here, as I have this opportunity, is to locate this verse, this verse 3 of Ephesians, as I look at it as the main point of Paul in this book. And that is this point of, blessed be God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us in Christ Jesus with every spiritual blessing. That word blessing we see often in that one verse. Blessing is foundational to not even Christian existence, but human existence. It goes to the very core of our existence that we have been blessed and we are called to do something with that blessing. As Paul says, we are to bless the one who has blessed us. This is the very core of human existence, this blessed word, this word blessing or bless or to bless God. It is core. In fact, we just sang it before I came up, right? Um, The doxology, 
Praise God from whom all blessings flow. It is the core existence that God has created, has blessed, and we as his creatures are to bless him in return. And this is what Paul has in mind in verse 3. Blessed be God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ who has blessed us. Um, there is nuance. There's a, since it's so foundational to human existence, it's been in the human vocab and in our psyche forever. Uh, even unbelievers to believers. Um, I had an unbelievable well, believe in he's still living, but my boss at the time, I, in, I grew up in Michigan, and, um, and I worked at a country club from like 18 to, or actually 15 to 22 or something like that. And we worked in a, in a, in a locker room, and this locker room was, it's, this is a very wealthy country club, and this locker room was a very nice locker room. It had a bar and grill in the middle of it and everything. And what we would do is we would clean these, peop- these golfers' shoes, and so there's these points where we had these tournaments, so there'd be hundreds of shoes, maybe not hundreds, but over a hundred shoes, which is a lot. And we'd be stressed out. And my boss, who is an unbeliever, would say, I'm too blessed to be stressed, right? I don't know if you've ever heard that, that phrase before, but he would say that often to himself. In a, in a situation where our hearts, we want to be stressed, he would say, I'm too blessed to be stressed. And him as an unbeliever, he has a very different understanding of what that means to be blessed. And his mindset is, I have too much physical things to be stressed. I have too much things from, from God, uh, even as an unbeliever, um, uh, to be stressed at this point. And I think as Christians, we can have a different understanding of what blessed means, to be blessed by God, and a kind of very spiritual flavor to it, is that there's a spiritual component of being blessed by God, but what we can do is we can then forsake the physical component and say, and I'm too holy or I'm too godly to even consider the physical things. And I think what I really want to focus on today is what does it mean to be blessed by God, and what does it mean to return that with blessing to God? And I want to grab hold of uh, this nature of the physical and the spiritual to see that they actually come together, hopefully, as we understand it biblically. And to kind of start this off, um, I want to go to Psalm 104 and kind of look at that for the next several minutes with this topic in mind. Again, in the back of your mind, blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us in Christ. And so I want to locate, what does it mean? We use it a lot. What does it mean that God blesses? What does it mean that we return with blessing? What does that look like? What does that mean? Well, if we look at Psalm 104, I, I, I want, as I read it, not all of it, but most of it, I want you to keep two things in your mind as we look at it. Is that it is by God's nature... What he has done in creation is he has blessed his creation. And what that means is he gives his creation things. And what he gives his creations are things that are needed to survive and to live. This is the nature of who God is. In the beginning, he created and he blessed his creation with life. And that's what it means, that God, when he blesses us, when he blesses people, he blesses us or he gives us things that we need. And another thing I want you to keep in mind as we read this psalm is not only does he give us as his as humans what we need, but he gives it in a way to where it is enjoyable. You get what I'm saying? It's not like we're just a bunch of 
machines that just have our parts and we are able to do our parts. But God actually orchestrates his blessing that not only does he give us what we need to survive, but he does it in a way where life is enjoyable. Let's look at those two themes as we're reading Psalm 104. He says, Bless the Lord, O my soul. O Lord my God, you are very great. You are clothed with splendor and majesty, covering yourself with light as with a garment, stretching out the heavens like a tent. He lays the beams of his chambers on the waters. He makes the clouds in his chariot. He rides on the wings of the wind. He makes his messengers winds, his ministers a flaming fire. And, and look at this. He says, he set the earth on its foundations so that it should never be moved. Imagine if earth moved in a way it wasn't supposed to. All life would be kaput. You covered it with the deep as with a garment. The water stood above the mountains. At your rebukes they fled. At the sound of your thunder they took to flight. The mountains rose. The valley sank down to the place that you appointed for them. You set a boundary that they may not pass so that they might not again cover the earth for the sake of life and blessing to his creation. You make springs gush forth in the valleys. They flow between the hills. They give drink to every beast of the field. The wild donkeys quench their thirst. Beside them the birds of the heavens dwell. They sing among the branches. From your lofty abode you water the mountains. The earth is satisfied with the fruit of your work. We see this creation coming about, the taking care of creation. And this is the blessing of his creation for life to happen, to give them what they need to survive. Indeed, when you get up early in the morning and you hear the birds chirping, they are singing praises to God for the blessings that they've received with life, as we just read here in the psalm. That is what they're doing. So don't get annoyed with them because they're waking you up. They're just telling you, get up. It's time to worship God now because of this blessing that he has given to all of creation. He goes on to say, and really mark here, how he takes care of us as his creatures, as humanity, but it's in a pleasurable way as he blesses us. You cause the grass to grow for the livestock and plants for man to cultivate, that he may bring forth food from the earth and wine to gladden the heart of man, oil to make his face shine, and bread to strengthen man's heart. So not only does he give us the things we need for survival, but he does it in a way where it's very enjoyable. I know... You know, this is a Baptist church. we got to be careful with wine and, and that kind of stuff when we talk. But nevertheless, we see biblically that wine is used in moderation and, and to the glory of God is actually meant to cheer our hearts. It's actually, life isn't just meant to be survivable. It's meant to be enjoyable as we receive that blessing from God. Oil to, 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 to shine our face. Bread to strengthen not only our bodies, but our very hearts. It is a pleasurable thing to enjoy the blessings of food and drink around the table that we need to survive, but do it in a way that's just pleasing to our hearts as we enjoy our families, as we enjoy our friends, as we enjoy brothers and sisters in Christ. Again, he blesses us with life, but he blesses us more than that. It's enjoyable life that he blesses us with. It says in verse 16, the trees of the Lord are watered abundantly, the cedars of Lebanon that he planted. In them the birds build their nests, the stork has her home in the fir trees, the high mountains for the wild goats, the rocks are a refuge for the rock badgers. You see, all of creation being taken care of, being blessed by God as they are given life. He made the moon to mark the seasons, the sun knows it's time for setting. You make darkness and it's night when all the beasts of the forest creep about. The young lions rose for their prey, roar for their prey, seeking their food from God. When the sun rises, they steal away and lie down in their dens. Man goes out to his work and to his labor until the evening. 
O Lord, how manifold are your works. His wisdom you have made them all. In wisdom you made them all. The earth is full of your creatures. Here is the sea, great and wide, which teems with creatures innumerable, living things both small and great. There goes the ships and Leviathan, which you formed to play in it. And so again, I want to bring your minds to this nature that this is a God. This is who he is. He is a God who blesses creation, all of it. He gives it what it needs. He gives life. He gives it teeming, filled with light. This is the nature of who God is. And again, he gives us life, and it's a life in which he doesn't just give us to survive, but rather also to enjoy. God is a God who gives blessing. And notice what Paul says also is that blessed be the God. We see in scriptures at the very beginning of this psalm, what does it start off with? Bless the Lord, O my soul. What is he saying by that? God blesses us by giving us things that we need. Do we bless God by giving him the stuff that he needs? Is that the way that we are to bless God? It's the same word. And we know, we're theologically savvy enough to know that absolutely not. God needs us not. He doesn't need anything from us. So that as God blesses us by giving us what we need, we bless him, but it looks a little bit different since he needs nothing, since he is self-existent. What do we give God in response to getting everything from him? Well, look at verse 31 in Psalm 104. May the glory of the Lord endure forever. May the Lord rejoice in his works, who looks on the earth and trembles, who touches the mountains and they smoke. And here it is. I will sing to the Lord as long as I live. I will sing praise to my God while I have my being. May my meditation be pleasing to him, for I rejoice in Yahweh. So how do we bless God? Worship is how we bless God. God blesses us, giving us what we need, and we respond in worship, and we bless him. This is very fundamental to our existence. This is very fundamental to your existence, that as God blesses you, you respond with worship to him, and so there's blessing going back and forth. And again, it needs to be understood that it's not a giving what he needs. You remember Psalm 50, right? Psalm 50. What was Israel's problem in Psalm 50? It's not, that you, it's not that they were failing to worship God, but they were doing it as if he needed it. They were doing it, offering sacrifices as if he needed it. I don't need anything from you. Even if I did need something, I wouldn't tell you. You wouldn't be able to help me. It's like us as, a, as parents, when we are in need of something financially or something, and it's really distressing us, we're not going to tell our three-year-old. They can't help us. You can't help us with anything. So we're going to not burden them with that. And God's saying, even if I did need something, I wouldn't tell you. Why would I tell you? You're so far under me. I wouldn't tell you. But what does he say? No. Instead of worship, worshiping me or giving me things, blessing me in a way as if I needed it. No. Worship me with a thankful heart for blessing you. Foundational to our relationship with our creator, God, is that we receive what he's given us and we respond with worship. He blesses us and we bless him. This is really the mandate that humanity, again, I keep on saying it's foundational, humanity had from the very beginning, from the very garden of Adam and Eve, the mandate in the garden, right? They were blessed in the garden. Notice Adam and Eve were not put in the wilderness, they were not put in a wasteland. They were put in the most blessed place they could be in, a garden filled with all the physical blessings of life and enjoyment they could possibly receive. There they were. And how were they to respond in that garden? With 
obedience or with worship. There is a, they were blessed by God in the garden and they will respond with worship or blessing God with their obedience. And why I'm highlighting this is because in that system, there was a connection of physical blessing and spiritual blessing. And this is what we're going to kind of move on to in this sermon, is that, is that the physical blessing of God are all the things that we have for survival and enjoyment of life. And the spiritual blessing is using that in a way that is walking with the Lord. You see how that was married together with Adam and Eve in the garden, is that they were given a garden filled with physical blessings, and they were to use that to walk with the Lord in the garden, i.e. spiritual blessings. You see what I'm getting at there? Is that the physical blessings and the spiritual blessing of walking with the Lord, using the physical blessings for his glory and honor and obedience to him, came together like a happy marriage in the garden. And this is really what blessing is supposed to be all about is that God would bless us physically, and he would also bless us spiritually, that we would use those physical blessings to walk with the Lord. That would be our greatest desire, is that everything you give me, Lord, I'm going to use it to walk with you. I'm going to use it in obedience. I'm going to use it to enjoy you. And in so doing, there is spiritual blessings that are married with our physical blessings. This is what the whole nature This is the relationship. This is what Adam and Eve's purpose was, is that they would be blessed beyond measure and they would use it in a spiritual blessing kind of a way with walking with God in the garden. Here is a perfect union of physical blessing, the garden, spiritual blessing, walking with God. And they were to spread that existence far and wide. Can you imagine for a moment if all the world by nature used everything they had to just glorify their God? How different of a life we would have around us. But something bad happened in the garden, as we all know. There was a divorcing of spiritual and physical blessing. You remember what happens in Genesis 3, verse 6 and 7. What happens to Eve as she is being deceived by Satan says in Genesis 3, verse 6, so when the woman saw, so when the woman saw that the tree was good for food, and that it was a delight to the eyes, and that the tree was to be desired to make one wise, she took of its fruit and ate, and she gave also some to her husband who was with her, and he ate. You see what happened there for the first time ever. Is that a physical blessing from God, the beautiful looking tree, was not used as a spiritual blessing to glorify and honor and obey God, but rather it was used divorce from that for a good of itself. Am I making that clear? That tree was not used for spiritual blessing. The physical blessing of that tree given to Adam and Eve in the garden to enjoy by looking and seeing, but not tasting, was no longer used for walking with the Lord but it was used for a separate purpose. It was used of a good of itself, as if they can find happiness in it of itself. And that changed everything. And that is the nucleus of sin ever since. It's that we would take the blessing of the Lord, the physical blessing of the Lord, life and everything that he gives us by his nature, he gives us life, and we would use it not to walk with him, not for spiritual blessing, but we would use it of a purpose of its own to find happiness of itself. And that right there is the nucleus of all the world's issues, and beloved, the issues that you're facing today, in some way, 
is marked by that. That God has given you something in physical life. It might be a sorrowful thing because of sin, because of the fall. But nevertheless, instead of it being, okay, this is what I have been given, and it is my joy to give it back to God in spiritual blessing and obedience, you're saying, I'm going to do something else with it. And when you go down that trail, there is sorrow and hardship for you. Do you get what I'm saying? So not only does the world do it, we know they do it. That's the nature of the world is they take these blessings from God and they use it for its own good, not glorifying God. But beloved, every single issue that we face, are, we face. and what I mean by issue is just is, is, is a lack of, of being close to God, right? The reason why that happens in your life, the reason why you feel distant from God is because in some way you're using what he has given you and you're not glorifying God with it. You're not, your greatest desire is not to say, I'm going to have spiritual blessing from this by, by glorifying him with it, but instead you want to do something of its own. This is a, an issue. This is an issue from the very beginning that physical blessings would be divorced from spiritual blessings. Now all are born in a state of sin and misery where we naturally do not use a physical blessing for spiritual blessing. We see this in our society today. It's interesting to see the physical blessing of, of, of genders, of marriage, of sex, from God in Genesis, right? He made two. He made Adam and Eve, and then he gave them marriage and then they procreated, right? This was the blessing from God. And it's amazing to see the, the cultural reverseness, right, of this. Is that we should take these things and say, okay, God, what would you have with genders? In other words, how have you defined genders? How have you defined our roles? How have you defined our physical frame? How have you defined all of it? And let us give it to you in praise and worship. How have you given us marriage? What is it supposed to look like with a man and a wife, right? How have you said it should look like? And what does sex look like within that happy covenant uh, union. But it's amazing to see that as this sin problem has came from the garden, right, it's a reversal of these physical blessings. No longer are we going to use that to then glorify God and spiritual blessings. No longer is this, okay, we're going to take these physical blessings and use it to bless you with it. Instead, we see the corruption of it all. And it kind of, it's interesting to see, I don't want to spend too much time on this because I want to get to uh, Paul's words here and more explicitly with what he means by spiritual blessing. But it's interesting to see how our today's culture has kind of twisted that in reverse order, right? God has given us genders, marriage, and then sex, right? And then we reverse that by, what was the first thing to go in those three, right? Today, we, we know it's all about the gender thing, right? But this, this was a trail that started a long time ago, right? What was the first thing to go? Well, it was prior to my generation, is sex went out the door, right? You can just have free sex. You can do whatever you want with your sexual expression. It's whatever makes you happy. No longer is sex something to be used to glorify God with, right? To, to, give, to have spiritual closeness with God in a way that we view this. Instead, no, I'm going to use it for myself. I'm going to use it for my own thing, physical blessing of its own. So sex in the 60s and, and 70s become ingrained in that. And then what comes after that marriage? And then what comes with the acceptance of divorce, with the acceptance of no reason, you know, no fault divorce, with the acceptance of whatever with marriage, gay marriage. That was in my generation, the gay marriage thing. And then it goes off into now there's just this insanity with gender. We see that this, this idea that when you fail to take the physical blessings that God has given you as a 
tool as a medium to give him praise and worship, we go into bad territory very quickly. And especially when we're doing it as Christians, we fall into the same problems. And sadly, what we're seeing today is the more physical blessing we have outside of Christ, and when we talk about culture and society, the more physical blessing we have, since it goes through the lens of our sins, which is not in communion with God and spiritual blessing, the more physical blessing we have, the more curses we have. It goes through a bad lens. In America, if anything, God is using America to be an example of that. That you can be blessed physically beyond anything you could ever imagine. But if it doesn't go through the lens of spiritual blessing, of union with God, of using it to praise him, it only turns into curses after curses. And again, you yourself, as we look at this before we look to the answer in Jesus, you, if you answer the longing of your heart that all of us have, If you answer the longing of your heart with, if I just had dot, 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 I would be happy. If I just had more money, if I just had a spouse, if I just had a better spouse, if I just had more friends, if I just had a better church, right? If you answer these physical things, these physical blessings, or this longing of your heart with, if I just had more physical blessing, you have missed the point completely. You have missed it completely. And that's why I think it's so important Let me do one more example. I was about to go on to the point. Whereas Christian parents, right? There's a lot of kids here. You guys have a lot of kids. It's a blessing. It's wonderful. But as Christian parents, if you catechize your children, you catechizing your children amounts to the current American dream, which is go to college, make more money than your parents. That's when you know you've been successful. Have more possession than your parents. Then maybe get married. And then maybe have a kid or two. Don't let your possessions get taken away by them kids. So just have one, maybe two, maybe one and a half would be the best, right? Just as long as your possessions don't get taken away. Then retire to Florida, selfishly enjoy your physical blessings, and that is happiness. There's a misunderstanding of what true happiness is because there's a misunderstanding of how we are to use physical blessing, and it is tied to, it's connected to spiritual blessing. Now, I, not really the point of the sermon, I probably should just move on, but what I tell people is get married as quick as possible and have as many kids as possible. Just do it because God always says they are a blessing. I never see in Scripture where they aren't. I I never see it, unless if you raise them up in a way that makes them a curse. But my point is that children of itself, all things being equal, blessing. Okay, that's not the point of this sermon, so we'll we'll move on. The point I want to get at as as I prepare for what Paul means here in this verse is the world is screwed up because it has divorced physical blessing with spiritual blessing. They have cut it away. Your problems right now is in some way connected with you not bringing the physical and spiritual blessings together in happy union. And I think with this problem prevalent, this problem from the garden, it is important, essential to see what does Paul say in verse 3? Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us in Christ with what? Every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places. Notice he doesn't say physical blessings in the earthly places. And there's stuff we could say about the, the Old and New Covenant here, right? 
There's no doubt that the old covenant was central and I will give you a land. I will give you blessing in the land, right? The physical promise in an earthly way. And here is the substance of those promises to the people of God and saying, no, Jesus has came to give us spiritual blessing from the heavenly places. It is a better, greater, new covenant, which has ramifications for all the people. Now, Jesus came. The blessing that we have is one of a spiritual, not physical. One of, that's from the heavenlies, not earthly. What does spiritual blessing really mean? If you had to define it in a few words, what does it really mean? Well, I alluded to it already. I probably didn't say it explicitly as I should have. But I think spiritual blessings is very clear. It's walking with the Lord in the garden, if we may use that language as what I said earlier. Spiritual blessing is union with God. It is walking with God in the garden. What I mean by in the garden is in the blessings he's given us in our life. It is, I have this air in my lungs. Well, what else am I going to do with this but to praise God or be in union with him? What does it mean to be in union with God? It means that you're living your life in praise to this God, for that's all he's worthy of. Spiritual blessings, what it means is that it is a union with the one who is invisible. It is a togetherness, a union with God. And this is what Jesus has done. He has came to bring spiritual blessings to us. That is union with our Father. And notice it's from the heavenly places, because where does God dwell? In the heavenlies. And it's like as if the garden on earth was like a heavenly coming, the heavens coming down on earth and the heavens and the earth being connected as there's union with God as they walked with him. And that was supposed to spread throughout all the earth. And Jesus comes and he fulfills that, doesn't he? That we are the blessings, the spiritual blessings from the heavenlies. And so it's like a taste of heaven comes down on earth as we walk with God on the earth. And we are to spread this great blessing to the nations so that heaven meets the earth. And spiritual blessings and physical blessings come and kiss instead of being divorced. This is what Jesus has done. This is what he's came to do. Adam was to spread the garden on the earth. God still does this despite his failure. How? Because of what Jesus Christ has done. Because what Christ has come to do. Notice that another word in that verse. Blessed be God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. Right? Praises to him. Blessings to him who has blessed us or given us things that we need in Christ with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places. And notice the medium he used in Christ. It is Christ who has brought this to us. He is the medium that brings this blessing despite our wicked failures. And I think the whole book of Ephesians is about the fact that Jesus has done this. That Jesus has blessed us with every spiritual blessings in the heavenly places. It certainly is this whole rest of these verses here in chapter 1 from 4 to 14, I believe it is. If you look, I kind of want to look at this book now in light of this major principle. Look at, if you look at, if you, if you just want to hear my words or try to follow along, I kind of had to go through it quickly. But if you look at chapters 1, 2, and 3 of Ephesians, I believe it's all about God blessing us or giving us things that we need when it comes to spiritual blessing. All the blessings that are laid up in Jesus are given to us, and one through three is Paul is dictating that, is showing that. All the spiritual blessings are found in Christ, and chapters one, two, and three are about that. And I think four, five, and six is all about how we are to respond in blessing of God in light of the spiritual blessing he's given to us. 
One, two, and three is all about Jesus blessing us with all these things and to be in union with the Father. And then four, five, and six is all about us blessing the Father. How do we then respond and worship to God truly as been cut apart in the garden, now brought back together because of Jesus? What does that look like? And so look at the blessings we have in Jesus. Look at chapter one, four through six. It's all about being chosen, predestined to be adopted or brought near to the Father, right? Four through six is all about being chosen, adopted before time or predestined before time again to be adopted, to be brought into the family of God, despite the fact that the fall has taken place in the garden. 7 through 10, verses 7 through 10 of chapter 1, is all about being redeemed by the blood of Jesus to purchase us out of our slavery of sin, in which we use physical blessings separated from spiritual blessing. And instead, now we are redeemed or we are purchased away from that. 11 and 12 is all about being the inheritance of being in Christ, the spiritual blessing, the inheritance we receive from that. And 13 and 14 is all about being sealed in Christ, protected despite of our flesh. I think if you look at, jump to chapter 2, verse 1 through 10, it's that well-known verse, right, of our life in the flesh. And what, is, what characterized our life in the flesh? It says you were dead, you were dead to God. And what that means is you follow the passions of your flesh. Instead of seeing this world as an arena to glorify God and your desires were found in him, what we were outside of the spiritual blessings of Christ is we use this, bless, this physical blessing for our own self. Didn't we already mark that with Adam and Eve? Remember that first sin? That's where it started. Is that instead of using this tree to glorify God, Physical blessings, spiritual blessings married. I'm going to use this physical blessing separated from that just for my flesh. This is exactly what Paul says. This has been going on forever since then. This is the nature of our sin now, is that now we're dead to God, alive in sin. We fulfill the passions of the flesh, which is separated from God. So he highlights that nature in chapter 2, verses 1 through 10. And of course, 11 through 22 of chapter 2 is not just about you individually, I should go to the fact that, and we are saved from that by, our, by grace through faith in Jesus, the medium that brings us out of that existence back to be the spiritual blessing with God. And 11 through 22 is all about the fact that he didn't just do it to individuals, bringing you out of that death into life through Jesus, bringing you back to conformity, to use all things for, for God, blessing him. But he has done it for the church. Individuals come together, and we make up the church, and we all have that same identity, that God has called me out of that darkness, called me out of that divorce nature of spiritual and physical being divorced, and he's brought me into Christ, in which now all things are done for the spiritual blessing of knowing Christ and being together with the Father. He has made up a whole church that's made up of this. And it goes on. Chapters... Um, Chapters 4 through 6, remember, it's all about our blessing to him. It's, if God has blessed us with every spiritual blessing in Jesus Christ, and that's all about chapters 1 through 3, how that, what that looks like, chapters 4 through 6 is how we are to respond in blessing to him. And if you remember, that, that's really the nature of what Paul details, is that, is that God has blessed us with everything in Jesus with all spiritual blessings. And so therefore, we are to use that blessing in response as a living sacrifice to him. We are to use everything that we have then as a living sacrifice, as a gift or a giving to him. Remember in Romans 12, 1, I appeal to you, therefore, brothers, by the mercies of God, to present your bodies. Think of physical blessing, right? Present your bodies. 
Present your physical frame. Present everything that is yours in this physical life, right? I pre- to present your physical bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable to God, which is your what? Spiritual worship. And so here, the, in light of what Jesus has done, in which he brought the spiritual blessings back to where it's supposed to be, now we are to take the physical blessings of our life and we're to use it as a living sacrifice to God and bring them together. And that's exactly that, that differentiating point from, with Ephesians 1 and through 3 to 4 through 6. Now you are to live your life in light of that spiritual blessing by giving it all to him, all your physical blessing, all the things he's given to you, to him. He first talks about verses 1 through 16 of chapter 4. He first talks about what that looks like for the church. What does it look like? How is the church supposed to operate now that they've been blessed in Jesus and they can use their physical frame to bless him? What does that look like as a church? And you see the main point there, the number one goal for the church is to build up others in Christ, to use the gifts he has given each of us to build each other up in Christ, which is a source of all spiritual blessing. This is your identity in the church of God. It is not to take, 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 although that's part of it, because people are to give, give, give. But you ought to have within you is that my whole purpose of being in the church is to give. And to give means that I want to give Christ to people. I want to give the medium of the spiritual blessing to people. I want to be a blessing to people as I show people Christ. And a church who is not doing that for one another is a dead church indeed. And a church who is going through a serious problem or, or a series of trials as you guys are aware of, may your number one desire is I want to show people or give people Jesus in light of this trial because that's God's purpose for it. I want the spiritual blessings of Jesus to manifest itself even in the hardship that is before me. That is my number one desire as I come to gather with the saints. This is what Paul has in mind in chapter 4, 1 through 16. How is the church supposed to operate in light of the spiritual blessings in Christ? How are they to use their physical bodies? How are they to use their physical blessings? Well, to show each other Jesus to use their gifts that he has been received from Jesus to build each other up in Jesus Christ. And of course, chapter, chap, chapter 14, seven, uh, verse 17 to chapter 5, verse 21 is all about the put off, put on principle, right? Put off your separation from God. Put off this cursed state that we received from Adam and Eve in which we were separated from God and rather put on being near to God through Jesus. And of course, chapter 5, 21 through 620 is all about the, 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 the lives that we have in the home. And around that, wives are to submit, husbands are to lead, children are to obey, fathers are to teach. And this is the way our home should operate, is, is, is that you don't just tell your children to obey me because I say so. You don't just tell your wife to submit to me because that's just what you're supposed to do. As husbands, you don't just say, I'm a leader, because that's just what I'm supposed to do. It needs to be connected to something that's deeper. Is that Jesus has given us all spiritual blessings. He's brought us back to be conformed with God. And this is the way we are to operate in our homes to reflect that reality. Wives, do you want to receive the spiritual blessings in Jesus? Do you know what you are to do? You are to submit to your husband. And that needs to be connected with the fact that I can be near to God by the way I act here. 
And wives, if you follow the way of the world of feminism and all that kind of stuff, it will not lead you near to God at all. You will not use this physical body that you have, this, this physical blessings that you have to honor God at all. Instead, you will find yourself separated from God, separated from the spiritual blessings. But Jesus has came. He has forgiven us of our sins, and he has set us on the path of life, of spiritual blessing. And wives, your greatest joy in receiving that is to submit to your husband. Period. Especially when your husband's acting like an idiot. That should be like, okay, now I really get to display Christ here in the way I submit to him. Husbands, it's the same idea, right? I have a job of leading my family, of leading my wife. And it's not disconnected to the spiritual blessings that I've received from Jesus. I am to lead in a way in which Jesus' presence and the presence of God will be manifested here, which Paul gets to in Ephesians. How does, what does that look like? Lead your bride as Christ leads his bride. It is deeply connected with the spiritual blessings in Jesus. And though as that's happening, there is all life flowing forth from your home. Again, spiritual blessings meet physical blessings of your family, and they kiss and they are in happy marriage. This is what Jesus has came to do, to make broken homes alive again, to bring broken homes back and not to be broken anymore. Don't be, we shouldn't be surprised whenever we see homes broken in our society because they have disconnected spiritual with the physical blessings. But you, old Christian, you know better. You know what Jesus has came to do. You know how he's brought unity to these things. You know how the family is to operate. Children are to obey. Husbands are to teach. But it's connected with the spiritual blessings in Jesus. You don't just tell your kids to obey you because it's easier on you. I just want my life to be easy, so just listen. Be quiet. That's oftentimes how I want to parent. Now, they should listen. They should be quiet, but why? So that I can teach you Jesus Christ, the blessing that has come forth from the Father. Your obedience of your children is rooted in the fact that you want to teach them Jesus. Obey me in these things so you'll learn to obey me as I proclaim to you the gospel of Jesus Christ. It is rooted in what Jesus has done in bringing us spiritual blessing. If your parenting is not rooted in Jesus Christ and the blessings he has brought, you are doing it in a way that is not what is ordained by God. If your marriage is not rooted in this is the way we are going to be blessed by Jesus, it is not rooted in what God has called it to be rooted in. And of course, finishing off the, the, the book, he talks about masters and slaves. And in six, chapter 6, 10 through 20, it's a final call to put on the full armor of God. Satan would like nothing better but to bring you back in the state of the slavery to sin. Using your life divorced from spiritual blessing. He would like nothing more for you to get lost and entangled in the things of this world and not using it in obedience and the blessings that comes forth from Jesus. He would like nothing more to bring you back into that dead state. And so Paul says to put on your armor, put on and get ready for the battle that is going to be the rest of your life to make sure that you are fighting the faith, fighting for Jesus, fighting and contending for the faith. It needs to be the cry of our hearts. I will use my physical frame for the glory of God's beautiful name. So in conclusion, you are not a slave of physical blessing. You are not a slave of whatever goes on to you physically that is going to determine my happiness. 
It is an amazing thing that God has called us to a higher state of existence, that the spiritual blessings that are in the heavenlies are of a greater value than anything physical I can have. And so that if I am rich physically, I shall produce spiritual fruit for my king. If I am destitute physically, it is still the same ending. I will use my destitution. I will use that opportunity to glorify my great God who has blessed me spiritually in Jesus that brought me in union with him. This is exactly what Paul says in chapter 4, verse 11 through 13 in Philippians. You remember, it's interesting. He says, I have learned to be content in all things. And what he means is that in abundance and in having little. He says, in all things, it is my aim to glorify Christ. That is what I'll do. And so do you see, the, do you see the, how that gives you such strong constitution? I do not need to be fearful of the future. I can laugh at the future, as we see in Proverbs 31 of the godly woman. Why? Because I know that it is to honor Christ. So if God gives me children and healthy children, I will use that to glorify him and get to be close to him in the way I parent my children. If God takes my children away from me, I will use that, him taking away from me, making, uh, me being destitute, and I'll glorify him with that. That's the end there. Either way, it's the same end that I will use the physical blessing or lack of to glorify God. Spiritual blessings come married with physical blessing. That will be the end of it. This gives you confidence in the future because this is what I'm going to do with it. I, I'm amazed. I just was reading through Job, and I'm absolutely, absolutely amazed by how he responds to that first wave of destitution from Satan with the allowance that God gives it. Remember, after wave after wave, of Job chapter 1, God gives Satan, you can do what you want to him, just don't take his life. And Satan doesn't waste any time. It is remarkable. It's like he loses all his possessions in like 10 minutes. And he loses it all, right? His children and everything. And then how does Job respond in chapter 1, verse 20? Then Job arose. And this is what I would do. I would murmur and complain. God, what, what the heck? You know, I, I, was, I, was, I was being faithful to you. I was being good to you. I would complain and murmur. I, I, at least I'd be tempted to. I, I pray that God would perhaps um, um, enable me to respond in a way that Job does. He arose and tore his robe and shaved his head and fell on the ground and worshiped and praised and offered his life as a living sacrifice, if I may use some of the words we've been using. And he said, naked I came from my mother's womb and naked shall I return. The Lord gave and the Lord has taken away. Blessed be the name of the Lord. Blessed be his name. Give praise to his name, worship him. Job responded in worship. And this is the same thing. This is what we can conclude. You are not a slave of physical blessing, either an abundance of it or a lack of. You're not a slave of it because God has brought you to a higher calling of spiritual blessing. I will use it all to glorify him. There is such life in that if you live accordingly by the power of Jesus. Where the fall of man into sin brought the deception, I can enjoy physical blessings without spiritual blessings, without union with God. Christ has brought all spiritual blessings. And so we say now, I can enjoy spiritual blessings with or without physical blessings. Is this what your Christian living looks like today? Is this how you are living your life? Is this the mark of your Christian life? Is that no matter what God gives me, whatever it looks like, it is now the Lord's. Because he has given me all spiritual blessings. And if you are in conformity with that, you'll find a joy 
that no one can take from you. But if you find yourself murmuring and complaining right now, if you find yourself a, a murmuring Christian, it's because there is a departure from that very nucleus, that very foundational reality, that God has given you physical blessings. And you are now enabled by Jesus to use that in a spiritual blessing kind of way, a praise and glorifying God. So let it be your joy. Let it be something that you strategize in your head. How can I today, this should be your prayer life in the morning, by the way, how can I today, I got this going on today. I got, I got work. I got to then do this uh, with work. I got to then come home to the kids. I got to do this at church. How can I do this best in a way that says, here you go, here's my living sacrifice. How can I go through the trials that I'm going through today? How can I visit the hospital and visit my sick mother who's about to die? How can I do that thing in a way that glorifies Christ for the spiritual blessings he's brought? This needs to be dominant in your mind. This isn't just a throwaway point. This isn't just a nice little side point. This is, should dominate your life. How can I, what God has given me today, use this as a living sacrifice, as a blessing to his name who is worthy? Let this be what drives you each day as a Christian because Jesus Christ has come and he's done the work of bringing you back to be with the Father. All spiritual blessings come forth from him. So let's praise him with our life in sadness and tears and in joy and exaltation and abundance. Let's pray to our God. Oh, Lord in heaven. Lord, what, what a hard teaching indeed, because I consider my own life, even today, as on my way to gather with the saints, how easy it is for me to grumble and complain, even in the most small, minor things of my children not being as obedient as I would like, or as my wife not doing things exactly how I'd like her to do it. Lord, I, I want to use that as, as, as an avenue for my flesh uh, to try to find enjoyment of itself by demanding my own way. But I'm so thankful that Jesus Christ has came. He died for sinners. He died for a rebellious people that use this world in that way. And he says, no, you are mine now. I am your king. And you shall use everything that's in your life for my glory. So, Lord, this is our identity as those who are in Jesus. And so I can take those things and ask forgiveness from you. And I can know that this is your whole work. It's to strengthen me to, to make my identity clear that this is yours now. And I can grow after this identity. And I'm so thankful, Lord, that you allow certain things in our life to strengthen us in this identity. So I ask, God, that the people before me, the trials that they're going through, the hardships, the things that tempt them to, to want to use this life separated from glorifying you, I pray that this would be a resolve, that no, Jesus has come to do the opposite, that they would take all the things that they are saddened by or, or crushed by, and they would say, the purpose of this is for me to glorify Jesus. This is what he's come to do, to bring that spiritual blessing in keeping with that physical life. And those who are in abundance, I pray that you would remind them, Lord, that it is for the purpose of glorifying Christ with that abundance, that they would not forget the Lord, that whether in abundance or in lack, Christ would be glorified in our bodies. So I pray that this would be all of our desires. And I pray, Lord, that you would help us in our weakness as we put on the armor of God and we look forward to a day when there are, is no more sin, no more falling into temptations to sin, and to use this life for our own glory but that day when you'll bring us back to perfect conformity to Jesus forever and ever. Oh, Lord, what a hope we have in him. So may he be glorified in all these things. In Jesus' name, amen.